I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Warning, you're about to enter the arena and join the battle to save America with your host, Sean Parnell. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Battleground Live. Oh, man, it was a it was a crazy weekend. Uh, If you watch the show on Friday, then, you know, I had all five kids plus some of their friends over this weekend. Um, when I say it was pandemonium in Fort Parnell, I really mean it was pandemonium. <laughs> we had a crazy, crazy weekend, but a good weekend. It was good, crazy. We played bocce ball. We swam outside. Um, th- there was pickleball. There was volleyball. There was pool water volleyball. I mean, it was crazy. Uh, we watched movies with the family and we watched Guardians of the Galaxy 3, which, um, you know, I've I used to be really into the Marvel movies, especially reading Marvel comics growing up. But now we watch the movies. We watch the movie together as a family. And I realized that my family is not dissimilar to the dysfunctional relationship that they have in the Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> and I don't mean like like it's a negative thing. I mean, people aren't like yelling and screaming and insulting each other. I just mean that people are always joking back and forth. And with five kids ranging from 16 all the way down to 10. Yeah, it can get a little nuts. Um, it. it We've got a a crazy, crazy weekend filled with sound, filled with news for you. Um, As we develop this show, uh, what I had planned on on doing moving forward is having a look at some of these Sunday shows, which normally I don't watch and you probably don't either because you don't trust the fake news media. Um, But watch. I will watch that garbage for you all so that you don't have to. And what I'll try to do is distill the most absurd sound bites and moments from the weekend. Make sure you have them first thing on Monday. Uh, so many, so many things broke uh, in the headlines while we were just planning for the show in the last 30 minutes. One of which is that uh, President Trump's bond in Fulton County, Georgia, uh, President Trump's lawyers, along with Fannie Willis, the the corrupt DA out in Fulton County, agreed to set his bond at $200,000. Now, how crazy is it? I mean, seriously, how crazy is it that this this corrupt Soros-funded DA is prosecuting President Trump on criminal RICO charges, something meant for the mafia or something straight out of Sopranos for simply exercising his First Amendment rights, one, and two, contesting an election, which every Democrat has done for like the last 50 years and every election that they've lost. I just think it's absolutely crazy that this woman uh, not only expects to get the perp walk from President Trump, she expects to get the mugshot from President Trump. She expects, I mean, if it were up to her, President Trump would be rotting in a, in a Fulton County jail in, in, in Georgia. And by the way, did you know that that jail is under federal investigation for all the inmate deaths that are there? That, like, Not to mention that crime in Atlanta and in and around uh, some of those areas in Georgia is just out of control. But yet they're hell bent on putting 
an American president, the best American president of my lifetime, behind bars. And why should any of us be surprised? This is something that they campaigned on. So uh, that that's the latest news that broke. Um, I want to go through a bunch of things, but but a wash on social media today. The social media is a wash with conservatives. Well, I should say Republicans. This is not a Republican show. It's a conservative show. I'm a constitutional conservative. I took an oath to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States. That's where my loyalty is. I love this country. I didn't take an oath to a political party. So so just so you all know, I consider myself to be a humble servant of, of America. You know, I will defend America to my dying breath if if we're ever threatened. I love this country. I think it's the best country on the face of the planet. Um, so when I say that Republicans, I'm not insulting Republicans when I talk about stuff like this, but it feels like we are right back at 2016. Like this is 2016 all over again, where you have a certain faction of Republicans out there talking about how President Trump can't win the general election. He's too damaged of a candidate. And when I hear that, I just think, has, has the Republican Party learned nothing? Because here's the thing with President Trump. He shocked the world in 2016, became the most popular Republican candidate, uh, popular Republican candidate in 2016, and the most popular Republican president ever. Got over 75 million votes, more votes than any other Republican. He was the first Republican to win the state of Pennsylvania since Ronald Reagan. That's a miraculous accomplishment for a Republican. Mitt Romney couldn't do it. John McCain couldn't do it. Bob Dole couldn't. I mean, there's, you know, George W. Bush couldn't do it. I mean, the the list goes on and on and on. But President Trump is an electrifying political figure. I mean, think about it like this. President Trump in 2016 beat a Clinton and a Bush. (laughs) Those dynasties, he beat them both. So when people act like President Trump is a buffoon or that he's somehow stupid, I I laugh at myself or I laugh at those people because, you know, keep in mind, President Trump has a billion dollar business all over the world, like 50,000 employees. He's unbelievably successful. He beat a Bush and a Clinton in the same election cycle, was the best president of our lifetimes, actually kept the promises that he made on the campaign trail for four years in the White House. I mean, Within a year of his presidency, we were a net energy exporter. We had secured the southern border. We had stemmed the tide of human trafficking and really put a hurting hurting on on uh, th- these drug cartels in Mexico. We had peace in the Middle East through the Abraham Accords. I mean, uh, there's no way in hell Russia would have ever thought of invading Ukraine with President Trump as commander in chief. I mean, President Trump was the ultimate peacetime president. He was laser focused on on getting America out of conflicts. I mean, the guy is he's just formidable and he was one hell of a president. So when I hear Republicans saying that there's no way that this man can win in a general election, it's just it's just a head scratcher to me. Um, I want to pivot to Trump not debating. I want to talk a little bit about that because some news broke about that. Uh, But before I get to that, I want to thank uh, the sponsor of this episode and the founding sponsor of the show, Deepwell. Uh, Deepwell is an energy company. Uh, They're hiring right now. Uh, they're, they're, They're just an incredible company with an incredible culture, an incredible CEO, incredible executives. They truly believe that their company is a family and the level of respect that their executives treat their 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 workers with is just unbelievable. You know, 
they're hiring, hiring 60 to 80 people just this year alone, probably 300 over the next two or three years. You can end up making in five years at Deepwell $250,000. So if you're looking for a job and you're willing to work and you appreciate American energy, um, go go to deepwellservices.com uh, on their website. You can see all the job. You can apply for a job there. Believe me, they're they're a Patriot-owned company, and they're growing like gangbusters. So, but we want to thank them for everything they do for Battleground Live because without them, um, we wouldn't be where we are today. So, thanks to Deepwell. Um, but these debates, folks, um, you know, you've got President Trump out there. He made an announcement on Truth Social. He said that, you know, he's up like by. In a historic margin, like 50, 60 points in the in some polls, like absolutely crazy. He's, he's he's stronger today than he was in 2016 and 2020. I mean, it's unbelievable what this guy can withstand. But not only did President Trump say he wasn't going to debate this week. Now, the first Republican debate is the 23rd of this week. Not only did President Trump say he was not going to debate this week, he said he's not going to do the debates, plural. Now, I don't think that there's any political advisor out there that would tell President Trump that when you're up 50, 60 points, that you should that you should open yourself up to debating a bunch of people who are polling anywhere between eight and at the top 15 percent. Most of these people can't even crack double digits. And there are some people that qualified for the debate. Frankly, I don't even know what the hell their names are, but I saw a couple of them on Twitter saying they're going to be on stage at the first presidential debate. I mean, the the threshold, if you're running for president, is 40,000 individual donors, which seems like a lot. But, you know, you could get that pretty easily if 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 you've got an email list and somebody willing to give you a dollar. And, and you know, you've got President Trump out there who's a former president who was one, he was, like I said, the most electrifying political figure in, I think, certainly in, in my lifetime. I've never seen any president, Demo, Demo, Democrat or Republican, do the things that he's been able to do. Um, so why would he open himself up to taking pot shots from other Republican candidates who can't crack 10% on stage um, and really also the moderators? You know, so this, that's, I think, President Trump's school of thought on that. I think what President Trump is trying to do is say, look, you know, the primary's over, you know, 50, 60 percent. The only way the only way that 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 I don't win this is if they put me in jail and remove remove me from the ballot, which, by the way, Democrats today have been arguing that that, yeah, indeed, they're going to try to remove President Trump in the ballot. They're making a 14th Amendment argument that because he was charged with with crimes, not guilty of crimes, but because he was charged of crimes, that he's not eligible to even run for president, which the precedent that that sets is just it's just crazy to me, because basically what they're saying is that a 45th president of the United States is guilty until he's proven innocent, which is the exact opposite of the way that our justice system is supposed to work in this country. And this leads me to to this point. It seems like President Trump is doing this alone. It certainly seems like the Republican cavalry, or at least the Republican Party, haven't rushed to his defense in a way that I, I would like. I mean, I've seen a lot of strongly worded tweets. 
Um, I think there are, I think there are some highlights here as well. Like I think James Comer in in the House of Representatives is doing a great job. He's been relentless with the Biden corruption crime syndicate family. He's been relentless with his investigation into the Biden. So kudos to him. But by and large, I don't think our party has had a strong enough response collectively to what they're doing to President Trump. I just I don't I don't see it, and I'm not happy with it. And I remember, you know, growing up. I mean, there was a time in my life when, you know, I was a kid, um, elementary school, moving into junior high, where I was bullied pretty terribly. I mean, very, very badly. And my parents always used to tell me, you know, stick up for yourself. Um, and I always tried. Sometimes that's hard to do when there are 10 bullies to just your one. Uh, but I think the reason why my parents told me to stick up for themselves or stick up for myself was because. You know, oftentimes if it's just one-on-one, -on -one, bullies don't like resistance. And, you know, I had a lot of things affect me as a kid as I was being bullied and, and growing up through all of that. Um, one of the things that affected me a lot was my friends who, when they saw me being bullied, I remember this one clear instance of, of one of my friends on the bus, just was one of my best friends, saw me being bullied and did nothing to help. And I made myself a promise in that moment. And I said, you know what? I'm never going to be that person that sits on the sideline when someone's in need. And ultimately, I think that was part of why I ended up joining the military. And so you flash forward to Afghanistan. We learned very, very quickly in Afghanistan that weak targets get attacked a lot. And so we saw over and over and over again in Afghanistan, um, our allies and units and other units that were deployed there in Afghanistan retreat from the enemy break contact from the enemy. And what that did was, is it caused this strange effect where in this dynamic where the enemy just wanted to attack them more because they knew there wasn't going to be resistance there. So my squad leaders and I made ourselves a promise that we're never breaking contact. We are going to present one hell of a tough target. We're not going to be weak. We're going to fight to the death. We're not going to cede the, any territory, any terrain to the enemy. We're not even going to give them a moral victory. In fact, we're going to, we're going to be so relentless that every time they, they attack us, they're going to be afraid of losing their own people. And that's exactly what happened. Um, after 16 months in Afghanistan, and this was in 2007, we were getting intelligence from Pakistan that the Pakistani Taliban and the foreign fighters that had safe haven there we're not going to send their sons into the fight anymore because we were just killing them in such great numbers. And the reason why I'm telling you this is because while that's an extreme example in combat, we were getting intel throughout the course of our deployment as we, as we one firefight after the next, where we would hear the enemy talking. They'd see the green skulls painted on the sides of our trucks and they'd say, you know what? No, that's the green skull platoon. We're not going to attack them. Let's just wait for a weaker target. And it makes me think of, of everything that's happening. And I thought back, I thought about this today um, and some of these moments in Afghanistan today in preparation for this show. And what happened, like the Republican Party presents a weak target. They don't fight back. And so because of that, the Democrats are unafraid to just be relentless in the pursuit of strong members of our party. And right now, the leader, the unquestioned leader of the Republican Party is President Trump. 
And you look at what the Democrats are doing, whether it's in New York, whether it's in D.C. with beady-eyed, mouth-breathing prosecutor Jack Smith or Georgia. Now you see like we really had no strong, unified Republican response to any of those indictments. So what happens? You start hearing Katie Hobbs in Arizona said that she had talked to her attorney general and saying that, yeah, maybe they should indict Donald Trump in Arizona as well. And now you've got liberal um, college professors who are making 14th Amendment arguments about keeping Donald Trump off the ballot, off the primary ballot in states like California. And uh, of course, Governor Newsom would support something like that. Of course, Gretchen Whitmer, Whitmer in Michigan would support something like that. Of course, Katie Hobbs in Arizona would support something like that. Every time Republicans don't fight back, the Democrats inch the ball down the field just a little bit more. In order to stop that, in order to change that dynamic, in order to take the ball back, like Republicans have got to be bold. They've got to be courageous. They've got to draw a line in the, in the sand and say, hell no, this is a line that you will not cross. If we don't, our country is going to fall by the wayside. If we don't, our constitution will be remade in, in the image of these crazy whack job lib communists who are trying to fundamentally transform this country. And so Republicans who are watching this program, you know, and I so many of you I, I'm friends with. And by the way, I happen to like Kevin McCarthy. I know him. He supported me during my run for Congress in 2020. I think by and large, she's done a pretty damn good job as, as the Speaker of the House. Like, uh, uh, let's get an impeachment inquiry on President Biden. Let's impeach Merrick Garland. Let's withdraw funding from Jack Smith. Any state, any any state that participates in these weaponized prosecutions of a political opponent, withhold federal funding. Withhold judicial no nominees. I mean, just do everything that you can to obstruct this agenda. I mean, why in deep red states, why I haven't seen, you know, Republican attorney generals you know, indicting Mayorkas for human trafficking and indicting uh, Joe Biden for human trafficking is beyond me. I mean, the left has set the precedent that weaponizing the justice system against our foes, the foe, our political enemies, they've set that precedent. They've said that that's okay to do. So what's the Republican response? If, if we don't push back, they will succeed. We could find Donald Trump sitting in a Fulton County jail. Because damn it, if Fannie Willis got what she wanted, that's exactly what would happen. And what would Republicans do? Are we just going to sit by the wayside, send out a couple fundraising emails, a few strongly worded tweets, maybe send out a letter or do a committee investigation that goes nowhere? Republicans cannot be the party that is reacting. Because to be a conservative means that that's an active term. Our job is to conserve this republic conserve the things that work, discard the things that don't. That's an, that's, that's an active mission. It's something that we must do. House Repu Republicans in, in the House and the Senate, I don't have a warm and fuzzy that you're doing it. Republican attorney generals, Republican governors, what exactly are you doing to stop this weaponized persecution of the 45th American president? Now, I, hey, I think some of you might be okay with this. I think some of you might want to see President Trump in jail. 
I think some of some of some of my re- fellow Republican contemporaries might might want to see Trump indicted a fifth time if it means that it will help them in the polls. And this is this is where we we segue to, to Ron DeSantis. Now, I'm not going to be somebody that talks negatively about Republicans on this program. Um, again, I'm a conservative. This isn't a Republican show, but look, the left right now, these commie lefts who hate this country, that's where our focus collectively should be. And generally speaking, I like primaries. I think they're a good thing. I think I also happen to think that this primary, uh, this presidential primary is over. Now, look, anything could happen. They could throw Donald Trump in jail in this political environment. Who the hell knows? But I get the sense and I'm starting to get real frustrated here that there are people running for president right now that are taking a wait and see approach with these indictments and hoping that Donald Trump gets sidelined because of them, gets put in prison because of them and, and using these indictments for personal gain. I don't like that. That's very, very upsetting to me. And I'm sure many of you heard uh, DeSantis and his comments about listless vessels. A little bit of a baffling thing. Now, look, when you're down in the polls and a campaign's not going your way, it's really easy to get off message. It's easy to become frustrated. Um, It's easy to lash out. But campaign 101, never, ever, ever do anything that could even be perceived as attacking the voters. Now, I don't know what the term listless vessel really means. I think, I mean, obviously it's a derogatory term. Um, I think it means stupid. I think it means demented. I think it means lemming-like, people who would just follow without thinking. I think it means, you know, if you're in a position of leadership, empty suit. It's a it's a it's an insult that Governor DeSantis, who, by the way, I say this every time I talk about him, I think he's did a damn, damn good job in Florida. I mean, was one of the best governors in America, um, was ruthlessly efficient as a leader there. None of that's in question. But I'd be remiss on this show to not talk about this. You know. Governor DeSantis has used the term listless vessel before. And I want to roll this clip because we were able to find him talking about a certain American president and referring to him as a listless vessel. And no, I don't mean President Trump. Um, Actually, just watch the tape. Go ahead. We have a president who is a listless vessel, uh, not energetic. We have a president who is a listless vessel who's not energetic. Now, this, him referring to Trump supporters or the MAGA base or whatever you want to call them, like Trump's base, as listless vessels, as in a way, you know, he basically said, we can't be the party of listless vessels who just pays attention to everything that Donald Trump says on Truth Social and then regurgitates that stuff. The problem with that is, is that now you're, it sounds like you're calling Trump's, you're, you're calling the base of the Republican Party deplorables. It, it feels like basket a basket of deplorables type moment. And Governor DeSantis was asked about this just before coming on this show. And we, again, we cobbled this together at the last minute for you. 
um, because news just broke just before we went live. Um, he had a chance to address this. He had a chance to clarify his comments because truthfully, I mean, maybe they're maybe maybe they're being spun in a way that he didn't mean. So just going out of my way to give him grace. Um, he was asked about this by Martha McCallum uh, just just today. So I, I want you to watch this tape and see for yourself. Are you satisfied with this response? So tell me a little bit about uh, that comment that you made over the weekend. And we played it in its full context. Uh, I know you felt that in some cases it was taken out of context. But if it was misinterpreted, explain to us what you meant in that. Well, Martha, every Republican voter I've ever come in contact with, whether they're strong for Trump, lukewarm or anything in between, wants us to stand on principle when you get elected or if you're involved in this process. And I think one of the big problems with our party for many, many years is people say they're going to do certain things and then don't end up following through. And so at the end of the day, it's what are we delivering for the people that have put us into office? And in the state of Florida, I can say uh, that I have delivered more for America first principles than anybody else in the country. I mean, we've prohibited the CCP from purchasing land. Uh, we've cracked down on illegal immigration, expanded Second Amendment rights. We got indoctrination uh, out of our schools. We have universal school choice and our crime rates at a 50 year low because we've done things like remove Soros back district attorneys. So that it's about results. And I think what you've had, the people in Congress that I was referring to that have attacked me and tried to say somehow that, that I was a rhino, uh, they're putting entertainment and personality over principle. Uh, our voters want us to stand on principle and fight for them. Folks, I don't know what to make of that. Martha McCallum gave him an opportunity to address it directly. She said, well, it seems like, you know, maybe it was taken out of context. So again, she's giving Governor DeSantis the same grace that I did. I mean, maybe it was taken out of context. Maybe he didn't mean it as a derogatory term. It seems to me that that was his opportunity to clarify. Not only did he not clarify that remark and what he meant, because he could have done it. He could have said, oh my gosh, I said the wrong thing. I don't know what the heck I was thinking. Of course, I didn't mean that about the base. Of you know, I just meant that we need to think for ourselves. We need to think critically. Our party is bigger than just one person. I don't know. He could have said any of those things, any of those things would have been better what he did. And what he did is just pivot to what I like to call politically talking points of all of his accomplishments as the governor of Florida, which, again, can't dispute that you were a great governor of Florida. But I question the strategy that you're using now in this run for president. I mean, you could have been had you had you just been patient. He could have been the guy in 2028. I mean, he 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 could have had the entire country rally around him in 2028. In fact, he he could even be he could have been a vice president for for President Trump. But Governor DeSantis wrote that off immediately and said, oh, "I'm not really a number 2 guy." I, it's unbelievable to me how how bad his campaign has gotten. And I don't mean that as an insult. I'm trying, I'm trying to, I'm trying, trying to give him grace here because I know how tough these campaigns can be. I've been in them. I've, you know, if you're watching this show, you know, you know, I've been on the front lines of these campaigns. They're, they're not, they're not easy. 
real difficult, especially when things aren't going all that great. But I have a real concern now with Governor DeSantis's legacy. I'm afraid that if he doubles down or continues to double down and alienate this base, uh, the the MAGA base, the Trump base, the base of the Republican Party, that he's going to completely destroy his political future. I think the path, if he wants to preserve any of this, I think the path forward for Governor DeSantis is to say, look, like, look, I, I'm not a political consultant, but you look at the polls, we could see the numbers on our own. It, I've, I've never seen a candidate this far ahead with this much time left in the primary. Now it's now it's politics. Things can change on a dime. But if if Ron DeSantis, Governor DeSantis, wants to salvage his legacy, I think the best thing that he could do is say, "Look, these weaponized persecutions are a step too far." You know, yes. I was running against Donald Trump. Yes, I wanted to be president of the United States, but this job is bigger than just one person. And I've got to throw support behind President Trump. I mean, we're going to go into this fight united. One, even one political persecution is, is a bridge too far. If you go after President Trump, you can be damn well sure they're going to go after the rest of us. So I'm not going to allow that to happen. I'm with President Trump to the end, and we're going to do everything we can to stop this. That sets you up. For for twenty twenty eight, pretty darn well. But after the listless vessel comment, I don't know. I'm not sure. Again, campaign one hundred and one. Never ever ever do anything that could be perceived as insulting the voters. Doesn't end well for you. Um, this is the DeSantis that that the base wants. That the base remember. This is the this is the DeSantis that he should be on the campaign trail. I want to show you this from when he was running for governor. Uh, this is so important. And if if this was the guy that we saw on the campaign trail today with passion and fire, someone who understands the moment, I don't think that he'd be beating President Trump, but I think that he'd be running a lot closer. Go ahead and roll the tape and you decide for yourself. So here's the, here's the issue. And I deal with this all the time. In, in Washington, in the country, Trump has almost the entire media against him. Fake news day after day after day. He's got the entire Democratic Party after him. He's got the lobbyists after him. He's got the bureaucracy after him. And he's got some Republicans who come after him to kneecap him. And so he is under an attack like no president has faced. And he is standing tall for us. He is working hard. So the last thing I want to do is go out there and lob hand grenades at the president. I think we need to support the president, understand what he's up against, and understand he's facing opposition unlike any other president we've seen. Can you imagine if in response to the fourth indictment in Georgia, Governor DeSantis came out and said something like that? Now we're talking. It's, I mean, he, it, it kills me to, to watch him respond to something. I don't know. If, I don't know if he's, he's just listening to consultants. I, I don't know if he feels like he's, he's not able to run his own campaign, but where is that governor DeSantis? That's the governor DeSantis that this country needs. And Hey, look, you might not win, but at least it shows our base and in, in, in the Republican party and, and the people in this country who are concerned about these weaponized prosecutions against a former American president. At least it shows people that you understand the moment that we're in, that this country is thinly balanced on a knife's edge and teetering on the brink. But the responses thus far to these indictments have been just passionless. 
They, they, and you can't even bring yourself to say President Trump's name. Now, I get it. When you're on the campaign trail, you don't want to give your opponent you know, more name recognition than they need. But let's face it, like everybody in the entire world knows who Donald Trump is. He's the most famous guy on the freaking planet. So it's it's just you're missing the moment, Governor DeSantis. And, you know, like I said, I, I wish you well, but I, I think you should run the campaign that you want, not the campaign that your consultants are telling you to run. Now, CNN all weekend long. I know people who are watching this show are, are likely not watching CNN. And fine, I get it. It's crap. It's fake news. Um, we were able to pull some just fascinating clips for you. It seems like CNN is in utter panic mode because even they realize that Donald Trump today, after four indictments, is stronger than he was in 2016 and then again in 2020. And it just just watch this video uh, of this of this group of folks on CNN talking about the polling. It's remarkable. Trump's lead is even larger. So these are three polls that were out over the last week. Look at these leads for Donald Trump. He's at 62 percent of the CBS News YouGov poll, 57 percent in Quinnipiac University, 53 percent of the Fox News poll. Look at where DeSantis is in all these polls. Look how far back he is. He doesn't crack 20 percent in any of them. So in Iowa, you have that 20-plus point lead for Donald Trump. That's actually smaller than the lead we see nationally, where we see these leads of 35, 40, near 50 points in this particular case. Of course, the primary is one thing. If Trump wins the primary, can he go on and win the general election? And we've had three polls that have come out over the last week here. And I want you to take a look at how close this race is at this particular point. Granted, the general election is over a year away. The largest lead for Joe Biden is just three points within the margin of error. No clear leader. Look at these. One point. One point. If you go back at where we were at this point four years ago, Joe Biden's lead was high single digits to low double digits. This is significantly closer than where we were four years ago. So this idea that Donald Trump can't win the general election, I want you to lose that idea. This race is very, very close. And Donald Trump is polling better right now than basically at any point during the entire 2020 After cycle. four indictments. After four indictments. It just doesn't really matter. seem to matter. That's fascinating. Harry Anton, thank you. Thank you. It just doesn't seem to matter, even after four indictments. Do you know why? Because the American people see what's happening here. They see that, hey, look, I might not agree with everything that President Trump says. Uh, he Sometimes he says things that are a little bit off the wall. You know, I, I wish maybe he wouldn't say that stuff. I wish he would stay off Twitter. I don't know. But the American people see what's happening right now. They see that these indictments of Trump are bigger than all of that. And America loves an underdog. They see this 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 man being politically persecuted. And, and I think they're saying, you know what, come hell or high water, I'm supporting that guy. Because, again, there's a line in the sand that that these government, these unelected government bureaucrats, these Soros funded prosecutors and DAs, these mouth breathing Dems like, no, this is a bridge too far. And you saw the polls for yourself. These people, especially independents, you look at the People's Pundit. We had Rich on the show last week. He released a poll on Twitter that showed that there is a significant block of independent voters in this country who will only vote for Trump. Those people are more fired up today than they've ever been. 
Watch what geeky little Chuck Todd said uh, on the Sunday show about Biden's favorability ratings, because we talked about Trump. Uh, let's let's see what he says about about Biden's favorability and what that means for him going forward. Go ahead and roll the tape. One thing I want to point out here is I want to show you his it, this stuff has taken a huge toll on him. You know, Biden, right before the 2020 election, he was right side up, which in our polarized politics <laughs> is quite astonishing. But look, Trump and Rudy Giuliani began this campaign to try to tarnish Biden, to try to turn him into the Clinton name, you know, with the with the obsession over over the Ukraine businesses with Hunter. And it's worked. His numbers now look more like Hillary Clinton 16 than Biden 20. Oh, oh, it's it's quite remarkable that, uh, you know, uh, President Trump is as strong as how, how, how he is. And, you know, Biden looks now more like Hillary Clinton in 16 than Biden in 20. Well, yeah, no kidding. Biden's been an absolute disaster. People like Chuck Todd in these Sunday shows, they can lie, they can spin, they can cheat all they want. But people are feeling the pain of Bidenomics in their pocketbook. They're feeling the pain at the pump. They're seeing Billions sent to Ukraine in a war that doesn't quite make sense to them with no clear mission, no clear end state. They see the rise of China. They see them saber rattling about <laughs> Taiwan. They see you know, our entrance back into the Iran nuclear deal. They see the pain at the southern border. They see that fentanyl is the number one cause of death in this country made possible by a border that's wide open. It's actually pretty damn amazing that Biden is as popular as he is, I think, with favorabilities of the 30s. It's it's remarkable. So as if those two clips on CNN and one with Geeky Chuck Todd weren't enough, Jim Acosta got in on this too. Now, do you remember Jim Acosta, that that mouth-breathing freak that used to be in the White House press room for CNN? Now he's got his own show. I don't know. Again, don't forget, Dems always fail up. Um, but now Jim Acosta is, is getting in on the action. This clip will blow your mind. Roll the tape. Look here. This is Quinnipiac University. It was a two-point race in February. Look where it is now. It's a one-point race. That's well within the margin of error. But take away one thing from this and one thing only if you take away only one thing. And that is, I think there are a lot of Democrats who simply can't believe that Donald Trump can be elected president again. The polling indicates that Trump is, in fact, in a stronger position at this point than he was during the entire 2020 campaign, according to the national polls. If we had state level polling, I wouldn't even be surprised if Trump were ahead in the swing states that are most important, Jim. Right. And when the race is that close, it comes down to the Electoral College. And and who knows what happens with that? Uh, We don't even have those kinds of numbers just yet. But from a national standpoint, you're absolutely right. It is remarkable where Trump stands right now when it comes to the rest of this field and with general election voters. Uh, Harry Enson, as always, thank you very much. We appreciate it. Be sure to check out Harry's podcast, Margins of Error. You can find it on your favorite podcast. So there's this article that came out a couple of days ago of the GOP strategists say that Trump can't win the general election. And then Andy McCarthy, who's a great guy. I mean, he writes for the NRO and stuff. I mean, he's kind of like a squishy, more traditional Republican, which is fine. He's a good guy. Said today on Twitter, 65% of Republicans just, just don't support Donald Trump. No way, no how. There's no way he can win. Why are we back here again? Why is it Republicans that are doing everything that they can to undermine President Trump? I mean, it's easy to be loyal to someone when times are good. What does it say about the soul of our party, of our movement, when we abandon people when they need us most? I said this over and over and over again. Trump, you were actually, you heard Governor DeSantis say in this segment earlier on about how Trump has faced 
withering resistance at every phase of the operation, whether he's rolling down that golden escalator, running for president, whether he was four years in the White House, like two impeachment hoaxes, the intel communities weaponized against him. Now our Justice Department weaponized against the guy. And now with his back up against the wall where he's dominant in the primary in Republicans, he's more traditional Republicans, these consultants, these lobbyist types, these K Street types, these inside the beltway type people. You see the polls for yourself. Hell, there is a poll that just came out in Trafalgar today in South Carolina. Donald J. Trump, 47%. Now Trafalgar got Trafalgar got 2016 right. They were super, super dialed in on 2020. Their polls are very, very accurate. I like them just as much as I like the People's Pundit. Very, very good pollsters. Latest poll out of, out of Trafalgar, South Carolina poll today, 47% Donald Trump, 13.8% Ron DeSantis. Now, this is really remarkable. Get this, 13.6% Tim Scott from South Carolina, 8.4% Nikki Haley from South Carolina. It's not even close. So why are Republicans stabbing him in the back? There's this phrase that Mike Kelly, who is a congressman here in Western Pennsylvania, also a very close very close to him. He's been a mentor to me for a long time. Um, he said, you know, Sean, people in this business will, they'll tell you, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I have your back. I have your back, sir. I got your back. And he said, yeah, you'll know it when, when you feel the knife. I don't want that. I don't want that to be our party. Our party right now in the face of this resistance should be uniting around President Trump. Now, if these to these other candidates, I've already said, I think primaries are important. It's your right. You can determine how long you stay in. I'm not saying anything like that. But this party desperately needs to unite around the 45th American president. They desperately need to unite around Donald Trump. Because if we don't, the Dems are just going to continue to chip away at him. (laughs) Just they will remake America in their image. And remember, even in 2020, with all the BS that went on. And yeah, they they rigged it. If you don't like the term rigged, they fortified it. We'll just take that out of the Time Magazine article. Um, Remember this. I want you to remember this when people say that Trump can't win. In 2020, the margin was, and I've got notes here, 42,918 votes across three states. You have any idea how close that is? It is razor, razor thin. Biden's support, right? His favorability is down. His support is likely to shrink. In fact, there are many people saying that Biden's just waiting to the last minute. In fact, a lot of my insider, the people that I talk to, the people that are smart on things like this, they're not even sure that Biden's going to be the nominee. They're saying that he might wait until the last minute and hand off his entire campaign infrastructure to somebody else, whether that's Kamala Harris, praise baby Jesus that it is, uh, it could be Gavin Newsom. I don't know, but people are saying he might wait to the very last minute and then pass the torch. But there's no doubt that as time goes on, he's going to get less popular, especially as economic conditions continue to worsen. And then you look at Trump, like Trump already has a proven record that he can win in places like Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, right? He's already done it. Trump, this is like a really, really important point. In 2020, the dynamic was a little bit different on a campaign, and every campaign has a dynamic. President Trump was then an incumbent president. He he was not running as an outsider. 2016, he was an insurgent candidate. He was running as an outsider. 
It's hard to do that when you're an incumbent president. Okay, just real hard. But now President Trump is running as an outsider again, not just an outsider, but an underdog with the entire establishment, Democrat, Republican standing against him, with the entire Justice Department standing against him. In fact, weaponizing the system and trying to put him in jail for 14 years, for 14 years, 400 years. I mean, it's absolutely crazy. He's an underdog. America loves an underdog. Don't count out President Trump. And when you hear people saying that there's no way that he can win, they're not telling you the truth. They're not being honest with you or they're just plain stupid. A, B, C, any one of those options ain't good. You probably shouldn't take advice from those people anymore. Um, The disaster in Maui is just it, it is just that. It's a disaster that continues to get worse. But before that, I want to thank one of the other sponsors that we've got for this show, Cabot Guns, Western Pennsylvania, all American made, make the best 1911 pistols in the business, bar none. Um, They shoot like a dream. And again, every single component part uh, of those handguns, 100% made in America. They continue to roll out new options. I mean, like I said, they're the Rolls Royce, the top of the top of the top in terms of design of the 1911, the classic 1911 pistols, uh, but they're also rolling out new tactical models as well. And so you just wait and see, head to Cabot Guns website, look at some of their designs. But again, they're a company that took a chance on this podcast and we're so grateful to have their support. Um, and if you're watching this show, don't forget, don't forget to to like the show. Hit that little green thumb, rumble, like those geeks at Rumble, they see the stuff that they pay attention to that stuff. It helps us with the algorithm and all that crazy computer stuff that we don't really understand. Um, you can actually subscribe to this show as well. It doesn't cost you a darn thing. It's completely free. And we're going to keep we're going to continue to give you this show um, at 5 p.m. every night, just right off the top rope with nothing but cold, hard facts and truth. So you can stand on that pillar of truth and debunk all these crazy whack job leftist lies. So subscribe to the channel. This show is exclusively on Rumble. Be sure to rumble for the page because people take notice of that stuff. Comment in the live chats. If you've if you've watched the show last week, then you know that if you're commenting on things, like I will check them multiple times a day and I will do my damnedest to, re- to reply to your comment. Um, and so uh, do all that for me. I mean, you're Parnell's platoon now. I mean, you're all you're a part of it. You're a part of the unit and part of the mission to save this country. And, you know, tell your friends about us, too, because, you know, hey, there's this dude that that I like. He's a combat veteran. You know, you should listen to his show at 5 p.m. while you're cooking dinner or while you're driving home from work. He's got some pretty cool things to say. I'd be honored if you do that because ultimately this is a grassroots movement and we're building from the ground up and this is a show for you. Other people that find themselves in a position to just simply be a servant of America like myself. Um, Okay, so back to the disaster unfolding in Maui. It's one of the worst ever. I mean, it is the worst wildfire in this country in I think 100 years. I think we've got confirmed 100 dead, maybe 1,000 to maybe even 1,300 people missing. Most of the people who are missing are probably children. And all of this, as we continue, as the facts continue to come out, all of this seems to be made entirely possible by 
these crazy whack job dem mouth breathers who are in charge in Hawaii. And I'm talking from the governor to the emergency management director to that hippy dippy water equity person. They the blame can be laid at their feet uh, and their feet alone. And some news that just broke today on that Hawaii's top utility accused of years of mismanagement. Now, they've been warned for years. Yeah, both uh, Hawaiian Hawaiian Electric and government officials in Hawaii that they need to clear cut around the power lines. You know, if there's a storm, wind blows during the storm, and it makes those power lines blow back and forth like this. And if they're not cutting around those power lines, like it can cause a fire. It's a fire hazard. Well, in Hawaii, they some of these power lines are running through very very thick rainforest like areas. And they've not clear cut around them. And so there was a lawsuit that, that was just leveled in Hawaii. And I want to read you this. The Hawaiian Electric, their own papers, okay, their own papers say that they knew how to prevent it and that their own papers showed their conscious and deliberate de- decision to delay the implementation of safety measures that would have prevented this tragedy, the most deadly wildfire in American history. In one instance, A 2022 funding request for 100, now get this, a 2022 funding request for $189 million from the Hawaii Public Utilities Commission to harden its power grid statewide. Hawaiian Electric said that the risk of its utility system causing a wildfire ignition is significant. The company said it needed the funding to ensure its facilities were not, quote, the origin or a contributing source of ignition for a wild wildfire. So despite the, the request being approved, Hawaiian Electric did not act. Now, here's the thing. Most of those funds and the collective eye of these mouth-breathing officials, again, from the governor of Hawaii all on down, they diverted those funds and focused on Green New Deal BS. You know who the the two biggest investors in Hawaiian Electric is? BlackRock and Vanguard. Bet you didn't know that. You'd think that the news media would be, (laughs) that would be front page news. But it's just been one disaster after the next, made possible by leaders. Remember when I talked about leaders who who were detached, not attached to reality at all? And in times of crisis, people whether you're in a military unit or you're you're leading here at home, people deserve leaders who are involved and not detached. I said that during uh, one of the episodes last week. S- listen to this list of things uh, that went wrong. Failure to clear cut brush around the power lines, preferring instead to invest in Green New Deal BS. Failure to make sure enough water was available to combat the fire. Instead, the people of Hawaii got some hippy-dippy water guy ratio, uh, rationing water because of equity or some BS like that. Remember the video that I showed you last week? I, I didn't really understand what the hell he was saying. For m- mostly, it was just like some liberal grad school word salad crap. Um, but he talked about revering water and its equity. It's like it would have been great if you just you know used the water to combat the fire. And oh, by the way, you're an island in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. How do you run out of water to combat a wildfire? Only Democrats in charge could run out of water on an island surrounded by the Pacific Ocean. Can't make this stuff up, folks. We covered uh, Friday reports of routes blocked by police. Look, 
I don't know why any of this stuff happened. Chalk it up to the fog of war. I don't know. But lots of things went wrong. No one is taking accountability. And I got a real problem with that. Because when you when you look at like the thousands that are still missing, between 1,000 and 1,300 people still missing, many of those that are still missing, their bodies were incinerated to the point where it's difficult to identify them. Many of them were children who stayed home from school that day, whose school was canceled because of high winds, who were either home alone because their parents were working or staying with grandparents. Many of those people burned to death. They were incinerated. No one's been held accountable. This whole situation has been utterly baffling to me because not only has Joe Biden been completely MIA, the damn guy has been on vacation for two weeks. He was at the beach. And then he was at some billionaire's house in Tahoe vac- vacationing. He's supposed to go to Hawaii today. You know where he's going? Going right back on vacation after that. Can you imagine a, if a Republican were president during all of this? They would have The House would have already impeached him. If a Republican were the governor of Hawaii, the governor of Hawaii would already be indicted and probably on his way to jail. The double standard in the media in this country is just, it's just shameless. It's, it's heartbreaking to me. And it's, it's amazing to me that this isn't just headline news everywhere, especially when the vast majority of the people who are still missing are children. It's disgusting. It should never happen in America. And the fact that Joe Biden can just continue to get away with this stuff is beyond me. But here we are. So what do you think liberals are doing? You think these mouth breathing libs are taking accountability for it? I've already told you that they're not. Uh, What are they blaming the catastrophe on? Give you one guess. Yep. You guessed it. Climate change. Congresswoman out in Hawaii, Representative Jill Takuda, opined on this over the weekend. Let's listen to what she had to say about these devastating wildfires. FEMA has estimated the cost of reconstruction will be close to $6 billion, but they've also said they are facing a $4 billion shortfall by the end of of September. Um, How do you make the case to your colleagues back here in Washington that with so many natural disasters and so much need in this country right now that Hawaii needs to be the priority? Absolutely. We were never expecting this disaster and tragedy. No one ever does. Um, But you heard it from my constituents uh, that have been on air. This is a national crisis. This is a national problem. I cannot tell you how many individuals we've talked to, we've met. They're not from Hawaii, but they have been severely impacted. We know at the end of the day, loss of life will take place, not for just for Hawaii residents, but for individuals from across the country that were in this area. This is a national disaster we are facing. And one thing we have to remember, too, was this is rural America. Rural America is getting hit by these types of climate change chaoses every single day's disaster. Rural America, which is what Hawaii is, faces the crisis of also being able to get those first responders and support as fast as they need to, to be able to respond in these situations. So we have to make sure FEMA has the tools and the resources to be able to execute support back home at Hawaii. But quite frankly, this is going to be happening across the country and they need the money to be able to respond to wherever disaster strikes. And I know President Biden has asked for another $12 billion to replenish disaster relief funds. Um, this is going to be a continued conversation here in Washington. Did you hear what she just said? She said that 
we did not see this disaster coming. But I just told you that Hawaiian Electric knew of the risks of a wildfire, had $189 million allocated to upgrade their power grid to help protect against wildfires, and they did nothing. Members of Congress and statewide officials in Hawaii preferred to focus on Green New Deal BS. It wasn't the climate that caused this wildfire that led to thousand plus American deaths. It was these insane climate policies that caused it. The lack of forest management, the, the insane investment in these Green New this Green New Deal crap. That's what led to the deaths of these Americans. It's tragic. And it's tragic that these, that these politicians are allowed to go on television and tell lies just like that. Oh, we didn't see it coming. It's even people in rural communities are hit by climate change. Can you imagine if one of your children was still missing and you had to watch some mouth-breathing politician like that talk about climate change? When you know that not only is your child missing and likely dead, that it is it was the irresponsible leadership of people, these Democrats in Hawaii, from the governor on down that led to it, that it was negligence. Well, but oh, climate change. Give me a break. What a joke. Governor Josh Green was on one of the Sunday shows as well. Let's see what he had to say about this. Go ahead and play it. So just to be clear, when you're talking about global warming, are you saying that climate change amplified the cost of human error? Yes, it did. Uh, there's always going to be incredible things that people do to save lives from the firefighters, from citizens. And there's always going to be decisions that are made that I'm sure aren't perfect in the yeah. moment. Uh, and but when you have fire that moved more than a mile a minute and what happened, I'm told by some of the survivors, they were at the initial fire. It was put out sometime late in the afternoon in Lahaina. And then the firefighters had to go to three other fires that had started mm -hmm. because of the conditions. When they left, the fire stirred up again. And then when the storm winds from Dora, which were that strong, yeah. swept it out, it just destroyed everything. So there's no excuses to ever be made, but there are finite, there are finite resources sometimes in the moment. Climate change. Not only... Is this governor not taking accountability? He seems to be exploiting this tragedy for his own political gain, his own political benefit. He's not leading. You saw during that interview, he couldn't even make eye contact with the camera. He's looking off in the distance like this. He's a weaselly little mouth breather, and his inaction was in part led to this. It's time in this country that we start holding these leaders accountable for their actions, especially when their dereliction of duty and failure to fix a problem that they knew about ahead of time leads to people dying. And in this case, most of the people that died are likely children. Now, I want you to see uh, this article, or I'll just read this article to you. That very same governor is threatening to basically steal land from families who lost everything. I'm going to read you this article uh, from the Post Millennial. It's titled, Hawaii Governor Says State Looking to Acquire Land. This is a direct quote from the governor who just got done telling you that climate change was responsible for all this. This is a quote, okay? I'm already thinking of ways for the state to acquire that land 
so that we can put it into workforce housing, to put it back into families, or make it open spaces in perpetuity as a memorial to the people who were lost. So you're just going to take people's land? I mean, people who live there, you know, their homes, you're going to acquire their property? Who? I mean, what? That's you. That's what it says right here in the article. Green said all of this while standing amongst the rubble. So your focus clearly isn't on being transparent with the people because you're lying and saying this is this is something that happened with climate change just to avoid taking any sort of accountability for this whatsoever. You're clearly not focused on giving the people the truth. We've already demonstrated that. And in the midst of this horrific tragedy, people who've lost everything, loved ones and children, you say one of the first things you say standing among the rubble is that the state is looking to acquire the land that people just lost. I mean, can you imagine losing everything and listening to your elected leaders talk about acquiring your land? Can you imagine how offensive that would be? How, How would you react? I bet you'd be pretty damn pissed. Just like I am. I mean, I feel like at the I'm done with these episodes. I need to have a drink because it gets so mad. It's just the ineptitude of of our leaders. And I use the term loosely. The title of I think Friday's episode was America Needs Better Leaders. This is what I mean. You know, when times are good, you know, having a couple of them mouth breathers in charge with no real resume, no real qualifications, no real leadership experience. When times are great, like that might not matter. You, you might not even notice it. But when crisis happens, when there's tragedy, you notice and people die. And, and this is why, because of leaders like this. Now, I've already told you that the government in Hawaii, these officials have been anything but transparent. Uh, but this video, we found this video. It It is just, it's just remarkable of reporters asking the mayor of Maui. They're simply asking a question. You know, how many children are missing? Okay. Very simple question. Listen to his response. I don't know. I was yes, you do. How many children are missing? You I know. I knew the answer to that. I would be happy to answer that. You have no estimate right, as to how so many children are missing? I guess Nothing? we can end this right now. You guys want. Sorry, this always, is one of the biggest stays. questions that the stays. people of Lahaina have, but it you don't want to answer. It always takes one or two Please. to ruin it for everybody. Please, this That's is our first our only Well, we can say that, that about you. You sure. ruined it for you everyone. Welcome to Sarah. You're the media. You can say whatever you want. You're a disaster. All right. Okay. Please. You've been the worst mayor we could possibly imagine. You won't even wait. Respect. Respect what? This is the most dismal response we ever have. You won't wait for your turn. You you want to shout over these guys that are legitimate? Why don't you give them the real answers then? Give them the real answers. That's not his question. Let him. Let him. Yeah. 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 Oh, sorry. Can you believe this guy? How many children are missing? Oh, you're not waiting your turn. We can end this right now. I also I got news for you, folks. They know how many children are missing. Do you want to know why? Because parents who have, they don't know where their children are have reported that their children are missing. Why aren't they telling the people? Why aren't they telling the media? Why aren't they telling the rest of America? I mean, kudos to those reporters for damn near revolting on that mayor. But they are deliberately keeping information 
from the people of Maui, the people who were afflicted by this horrifying tragedy. They're keeping information from the rest of this country. Biden has been completely MIA, which has made this crisis a hell of a lot more worse. What the hell is our government focused on? Where are we sending all of our, our resources? I mean, because it seems to me we've sent over well over $100 billion to Ukraine to fight a war that is not in our national interest, that at its core is a territorial dispute. We're paying Ukrainian pensions, for God's sake. But to the people of Hawaii, what do they, what do they get? First of all, they, don't get, they get a president that's on vacation who can't even be bothered during that two weeks to even say anything about the worst wildfire in 100 years, over 1,000 deaths, most of them are children, no comment from, our, from the commander-in-chief. And that's just totally copacetic to the media. And not, look, remember what they, how they treated George W. Bush in the wake of Katrina? Like, I, I'm not trying to defend George W. Bush. I'm not the biggest Bush fan in the world. But, like, they crucified that guy for simply flying over the disaster because he didn't want to land and divert emergency resources from the people who needed it. Not only has Biden not commented, he's been on vacation. <laughs> What's our government focused on? They're focused on sending money to Ukraine. In fact, there was a bill in the House that cobbled together two things together, aid to Ukraine and aid to Hawaii. They're making people in the House of Representatives vote on both. Why can't they be standalone bills? I don't know. But they do this kind of manipulative crap so that they can they can manipulate the American people. Because God forbid, if there's a Republican that votes against aid for Hawaii, there, there are people be out be able to go out on the campaign trail and say, look at this Republican who, who voted against this aid to Hawaii. I mean, but the reality was he was just against funding Ukraine in perpetuity with your tax dollars. But that's why they lump these this, this emergency relief funding together with war funding for Ukraine. It's manipulative crap. Put it in a clean bill. I can't stand it. But there seems to be an unlimited amount of funding for Ukraine. And what do the people in Hawaii get from the Biden administration? A one-time $700 forgiveness? Like a one-time payment forgiveness of 700 bucks? I mean, for God's sake, that's like two meals at KFC in this day and age. It's disgusting. It's insulting. At what point do you say, wait a second, like if you're president, if you're President Biden, Wait, you're proposing to me that after these people lost everything, does this basically say one-time payment forgiveness of 700 bucks? Really? I mean, because that the optics of that are just are just terrible. I mean, that that ain't good. Why why do that? That's almost worse than nothing. I mean, like it's crazy. It's crazy to me that that's the best that this administration could come up with. Yet we continue to send billions to Ukraine. But check out this video. Um, that that Mays put together on Twitter. And we get a lot of our content from Mays, so we're thankful to him. I think he, he just, just does great work. Um, but check this out. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a supercut of Biden talking about his perception on funding the war in Ukraine versus what Hawaii's getting. It's also going to help schools and hospitals open. It's going to allow pensions and social support to be paid to the Ukrainian people so they have something, something in their pocket. Since Russia invaded Ukraine just over two months ago, we have sent more than $3 billion in security assistance to Ukraine. Last week, I sent Congress to be excused a point of personal privilege talking like an old senator, but sent a supplemental budget, a fancy way of saying we need more money. As I said from the beginning, this fight is not going to be cheap. And I'm once more urging Congress to quickly pass this supplemental funding bill. 
over $300 billion to help the Ukrainians. FEMA has approved 5,000, 50,000 meals, 75 liters, 1,000 liters of water, 500 beds, 10,000 blankets, and as well as other shelter supplies for survivors displaced from their homes. FEMA also authorized one-time payments of $700 per household to folks who've been displaced. One-time payment of 700 bucks. It's insulting. And you know what? The American people are waking up to this. A whole lead-in of this show was, you know, Republicans and many people in the media can't wrap their mind around why President Trump is doing so well. It's because he talks about putting this country first, America first. And even people that aren't necessarily, you know, paying attention to every political soundbite, that maybe don't pay attention to an election until 30, 60 days before primary in general, maybe people who are focused on just, you know, living their lives aren't necessarily tethered to politics 24 hours a day, seven days a week like we are. Those people are starting to wake up. They're starting to notice. And I don't think they're happy with it. I want you to see this video because, again, this is just there's so much remarkable stuff that broke this weekend. And I want you to see it. But it's a it's a resident of Maui. And she's giving her thoughts on how the Biden administration has reacted to this crisis. And she's got some questions. So why aren't you taking care of what you claim to be in charge of rather than sending out all these funds and whatever else you guys are sending to Ukraine or anywhere? take care of here first you know this i don't see why any president wouldn't step up and take care of what's part of their you know territory i think it's a stupid move on his part you know i biden yeah he's an idiot sorry no not sorry Did you hear that? Biden? Yeah, he, he's an idiot. I'm, so, I'm sorry. Well, he, she's right. She's 100% right. The guy, B- Biden, is a listless vessel. There's no question about it. He's a completely empty suit. The, the guy doesn't even know where the hell he is. But his response to this tragedy and how detached he's been and how just unbelievable, the lack of empathy which with which, which he has approached this crisis is just unbelievable. It's like nothing I've ever seen before. But people are starting to notice. Why isn't he putting us first? Us, America, first. Why is he sending all this money to Ukraine when our entire community has burned down? Americans are waking up. And it's because of great people like you that help make that possible. And I'm very, as tough as times are in this country right now, whether it's economics or, again, the political persecution of President Trump, I am optimistic about the future of this country because the more people wake up, the more people say, the more people start asking questions, the more people that don't buy into the narrative that the media would have us believe, the better off this country will be. I've got faith in the future of this country. You should, too. And I want to thank you all for tuning in. I mean, man, that hour went fast. I mean, we might have to uh, talk to Brock, but we might have to stretch out the show a little bit. But thank you all for watching. Um, This show would not be possible without you. Again, if you're watching and you stuck around to the very end, 
hit that rumble button, that little green thumb and subscribe to the channel. It's completely free. We're going to be rolling Battleground Live every single day um, at five o'clock. But thank you all. Never quit. Never surrender. God bless you all. And God bless this amazing country that we live in. Take care. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening.